Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Tisty Eater? This is Stephen, your host with Phantology Podcast, here to finish our conversation about Midnight Tides by Stephen Erickson, book five of the Malazan, Malazan Book of the Fallen. And with the completion of this book, Jake and I can officially say we are halfway through the epic series. Ryan has read the series before, albeit it's been a little bit of time. So he's here to provide us little bit of inside like future knowledge without spoiling so if you're if you want to be entertained maybe just watch his facial expressions as jake and i speculate about what's going on in this series emphasis on the little bit of knowledge because like uh like he said it's been two years or two yeah i think two years since i've read it and the huge amount of information that's in malazan also fades quickly if you're not actively you know retaining it through uh mm-hmm. remaining in the world of malazan but since we read so many other books it's hard to retain the knowledge that i've gotten yeah i finished it like three or four days ago and since then i read the first sanderson secret project and i've yeah definitely had to do a refresher and uh i'll, I'll probably still mess up on a lot of details so don't you know don't kill us if we get things wrong but uh, do let us know what we get right let us know what we get right but then i realized no don't don't spoil anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah just give us like a thumbs up if you think that we're onto something that probably won't happen anyway so (laughs) second half of midnight tides if you want to catch up on our on the beginning of our conversation you can find that a couple episodes ago but uh we pick up the action after roulade comes back to life for the first time Originally, we did not know that he was going to come back to life like four different times in this book alone. But after he comes back to life the first time and the Edor are basically preparing for war and some people realize that some people don't. And then the rest of the book is just this this war. It, it, it happens really fast. Anyway, uh, with all that, like what stood out to you guys? What characters do you feel like are most compelling to talk about first? Hmm. I think Rulat himself, right? like seeing his devolution into just like being a full-on puppet of the broken god and then or the crippled god and then also like his moments of like more moments of clarity and like realizing like definitely Mm -hmm. realizing when he was dead like when he'd talk with the crippled god when he was dead like he was more himself and more in control of his desires Mm. and then swapping back in so rulad would you say villain or victim Definitely victim. I think both. I think, I don't know, even like he did initially agree with the crippled God to like go back the first time at the end of part one when he mentioned like the glory he could have. But also like 
that's like like he's a product of his culture a little bit that way you know wanting the glory and he was just dumb like he didn't want to do the things he did once he was a puppet of the crippled god Mm. and like he even regretted them after doing them it was like i feel like he had he didn't really have much control over even the small things like taking man to wife i feel like he didn't have as much control over that what do you mean didn't he demand take her to wife I, I feel like that was like his first gluttony into the power where he's like, oh man, yeah, I like her. Let's let's make yeah. that happen now that I have the power. And then and then quickly afterwards he realized like he really doesn't have any agency and he's being controlled and brought back to life again and again. So I think later on he becomes a victim, but I feel like he starts as a villain. He's he starts as like an antagonist. I don't know, like full-on villain because even then like he's under the control of the crippled god at that point and like his whole thing is to cause as much like pain and, and misery as possible right not just for rulad but for every everyone mm-hmm. and so using rulad's desires to then cause as much pain as possible and you can see that's one thing that i, I thought the themes of like pain and the cycle of pain like rulad's pain like for not being like seen as like he has that 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 line at the end of the book where he's like all i wanted to do is be like counted like respected by my brothers like that's all he wanted and his pain for that led him to then hurt others and be a tool of the crippled god and to take man and like because he took her the way he did she like was being abused so that she abused feather which like there's this chain of like pain mm-hmm. going down but then so that's like one half of the themes of this book i feel like and another half is you see how moments of empathy really start to curb that chain of pain like udanas being a friend to uh rulad i feel like mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that helped him realize he's being a tool and realize that he's being controlled that way is was because of rulad whereas even though like he wanted anyways this is a long a long uh no, this is good argument yeah. to say i think even though he wanted like man that was in his base desires the way it happened i don't know if he would have done it without the crippled god's influence which then which makes me see him more as a victim who does some bad things and has some bad desires but definitely mm. a, a tool of a greater evil i like that and um, i don't really have I don't really remember the finer details enough to argue for or against that. I, I feel like each time Rulat died and came back, he was a little bit more crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. So, I mean, I guess his descent into madness wouldn't really push him one way or the other. I guess maybe it'd make him a bit more of a victim. Yeah, probably more of a victim. Was it the case that uh hanan mosag my attempt at pronouncing his name what did he ever actually intend to take the sword himself or did he always know that he needed a tool to wield it and then try to control from the background or do you think that just kind of like developed and then he saw the opportunities like okay i can can still influence here even though i don't have the sword like that was kind of open to interpretation I, i don't think he wanted anybody else to take the sword I don't know that he would have taken the sword himself, though. It seemed like he was going to, he, he knew that in order to gain the cripple god's help, he would he would need to, to recover the sword. But 
he, he did have his own agenda and he seemed to have the will to resist the cripple god's own will i guess and and so i i think that he he probably would have wielded it himself but maybe not been as susceptible to the influence as rulad he, his character was the one that surprised me the most in how he developed in the second half of the book i viewed him in the first half as being really cunning which i think he still is but like cunning but more level-headed than he ends up being toward by right. the end like i, I thought, remember both of us at the end of the our first half conversation we were like hey yeah hanan mosag like he's not as bad as we thought yeah. he's, he's maybe he's the one that needs to actually lead the Edor. Whereas at the end of this book, I'm like, he's worse than Rulad because... Oh, yeah. Like, he does at least from what we see. But I thought his plan in the first half was to take the sword, not actually physically take it himself, just to have it brought back and then somehow use its power without being becoming like a thrall to it, but only as like defensive power. Because it seemed like he was building up this thing like, no, we're not going to just go to war with Lethary. It seemed like he didn't want to do that because... I felt like there was this like value of an anti-value of bloodshed, I guess, like bloodshed for its sake, its own sake, isn't worth anything. And so it was more just let's establish ourselves and make ourselves unassailable. That's actually the word they use is the cripple God says you would take it just to make yourself unassailable instead of conquering the lethery. And so I thought he was more level headed that way. But then, like, he really leans into all the slaughter and the conquer. And I don't know how much mm. of that was just the... I felt like there was a little bit of influence of the demon he was using. Like, every time he'd use its power, he deteriorated a little bit. And I don't know if that was just physically or mentally. And I don't know if it was the, like, the presence of the crippled god being so close to him. Or if he didn't think he would be able to conquer Lethary before, but after seeing the power in Rulad's hands, he's like, oh, okay, this is possible. Let's let's use Rulad to then do this. I don't know. He, he was, was the biggest character change in my mind that I didn't see coming. I don't think I totally understood when he was drawing which powers. Like he was using the demon for a while and then the demon got caged underneath the ice by the yeah. Sita. And so yeah. that was no longer accessible to him. But then when he was using like the bone pillars of death, that was a that was a warren or a hold, right? That was um like I don't remember the, the names. They 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 had access to a, a part of the Warren of Shadow, right? Right. Like it was splintered or whatever the yeah. terminology is. I feel like that was what they were using there. And in fact, I thought I thought someone says that. But then at the end, when he's like after the demon has been taken away. And he's using the sacks with the queen and the prince in yeah. order to fight the Sita. Like, wasn't was that just directly the crippled god's power that he was using and like that, putting yeah. it into their bodies? That's what it seemed like to me because they were like tortured. And so mm. my understanding of it was he had got them tortured so that way he could use that like crippled god magic, like the chaos. It's chaos magic, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think I think the crippled god does use chaos and I think it suits him well because you know, it inflicts pain on the people that use it or they deteriorate, you know, as they use. It. Yeah, and like there's the line towards the end. I don't know if Udanas says it or if it's 
wither not wither with all there are too many names in this book that are similar there's udanas and then there's what's trolls benedas and then there's uh-huh. hole and tehole those sound i know they're spelled different but when the audiobook narrator says them like the whole part sounds the same and then there's wither with all and a with all right for the dragon right thing. Uh-huh. so anyways i don't know if it was udanas or withal who says like like who realizes that the crippled god is just spreading that chain of pain throughout but udanas is kind of like a stopper maybe troll sengar realized that that he's like a stopper towards that like by showing being a friend and showing compassion he's stopping it and like it like i don't know if it outright says it or just like like the subtext is if like if the crippled god hadn't been wasn't he like thrown from the sky like Bryce or Brees, however you pronounce it, saw a vision mm-hmm. of him being like thrown from right. the, like the sky down, like and just how if he had maybe if people had showed empathy to him, he would have been able to not have been so chaotic. But mm. this whole thing to go back to your point that chaos magic fits him so well because he's just seems like someone who's in so much pain that all they know how to do is hurt others, um, which I think is a common thing in uh like human society whether intentional or not with the crippled god it seems obviously more intentional but i think there's a case to be made like how much agency like when you are like in that much pain how much agency do you have and like how you're hurting others if you use like the drowning person example of when you're drowning Mm -hmm. like you'll accidentally drown other people because you're trying to save yourself I think not to absolve the crippled God of, of like any agency. I think he has some, but at the same time, he, he's also kind of a product of that. Anyways, I think the chaos just fits really well into his uh, character. Um, I, I think that Hanang Mosag also uses chaos magic. And I think that plays a key role in, in his deterioration. I'm not sure in general, but definitely in the attacks like, or the, the like battles that he's involved in. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that I didn't notice that at all, except for the when he had the prince and the queen. And like I was like, oh, that seems it seems related to the crippled god. He does definitely talk about how as the war progresses, he becomes more and more withered and like hunched up yeah. under his furs. And yeah, so clearly what he's doing is is drawing upon him negatively. Yeah. Yeah, I like those themes, Jake. That's that's more profound than uh than my reading but it sounds it sounds good that i feel like i feel like you get such a clear look at the crippled god in this book and kind of how pathetic he is while like simultaneously how pathetic and how dangerous he is you know and not pathetic as in insignificant but just something to feel sorry sorry for you know Mm -hmm. um and then also like I don't know. It's weird how you like he shows so much power, but also all it like with all finally realizes at the end, oh, I just need to knock over his tent. That's the extent of his warren. And then like he won't have power, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I mean, at the end of this book, he does still have the he has Rulad and yeah. all of you know Luther under his control. Yeah. What were you saying, Ryan? Well, I was just gonna say that I, I think the future books will definitely delve a bit more into the background of the crippled God and, you know, reveal more of what happened, you know, just 
I, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But it it will either give more credit to your theory or discredit it. Well, I'm I'm like curious because this book is is like the furthest prequel we've seen, right? And the series so far, like it's the furthest back in the timeline. I think it's like the same time as Gardens of the Moon. Just the same time. Okay. There's I don't know. I mean, let us know what it is. I I think it's around the same time. Yeah, it's so it's it's far it's in the past, you know, from what yeah. we've it's either yeah tied yeah. with Gardens of the Moon or further in the past. But so we know immediately after this, the crippled god has two almost simultaneous plans going, right? With Shaikh in the whirlwind and mm-hmm. with uh what's it called? The pan pan and the pan and yeah, the Penian Doman and the Penian Seer and like that stuff. So like how does he just have a lot of plots going at once? Or I'd like to see how he transitions into that. And like, like, where's Rulad in the in like the current time? Mm. Kind of jumping around, but along those same lines, we we met Troll in House of Chains, right? And he's banished. I was expecting mm. at the end of this book him to be banished and yeah same but instead it was fear like not banished but fear leaves and then I was like am I remembering the wrong brother from House of Chains <laughs> mm-hmm. so like how what happens in the in between where Troll gets banished and how like where's Rulad at like we know the left the Tissiedor were going around uh trying to conquer conquer or were they just looking for the throne of shadow in the last one i don't remember but yeah I, it just really makes me curious how to tie how that ties back in to the rest i think they were looking for the throne of shadow yeah yeah that sounds mm-hmm. more familiar i know ryan told us last time that book seven continues this plot line so i guess i i was with you Jake. i was assuming that troll would be banished at the end of this book because it seemed like things were headed, headed that way with the brewing conflict between him and his family and people, basically. But yeah. maybe we have to wait until book seven for that? Yeah, it was an interesting role reversal where at the end, like, again, I feel like this was such great writing and character work where you have fear off on his own before he reunites with Troll right before leaving with Saren Pettig, where fear, like, has a self-reflection of realizing he was so hard on troll because troll was just voicing all the same doubts he had. And so he was Mm -hmm. like using troll as like a way to like a mock way of overcoming his doubts. Like, Oh no, I'll shut you down. Like now I feel better about what I'm doing. And so it was interesting to see how at the end he finally, like, he's like, no, I have to leave. And troll is like still, even though he feels like what is happening is obviously wrong and being like, they're being used by the crippled God. He's like, I can't leave Rulab even though and like he can't leave his family that was i feel like that was a very uh true to true to life characterization there troll's a good guy and he's had some bad luck i think troll is a good guy he's when uh him and fear both when they were like admiring bryce's uh attacks on rulad when they have that battle that that fight there and they're just like he was just like so impressed with them and then fear after, I think maybe it was more through fear's point of view where he was just like, like, what a shame that he was, he died from poison because like just the respect they had for each other or for him. So, I mean, to, to go off of uh, talking about troll, I mean, 
at the end, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had the Rulad was begging Troll to to kill him, or he was mm-hmm. for a minute. Or what? I'm I'm trying to remember. Troll had a critical decision. Was one of the decisions to like kill the Sita? Yeah, he does that. Yeah, he does. So he that. does kill the Sita yeah. and stays was, loyal to his family. Yeah, because yeah. you're like that the was Sita is like awesome, and he's taking down like yeah. Hannah and Mosog and everybody, and then Troll kills him. But yeah. then, but then when Bryce Bedick dismantles Rulad, for lack of a better word troll stays his hand so he's kind of he kind of goes two different ways though at that i point. think i think it really was the pressure of if he didn't kill the sita then everyone would die there like that was just like and he even mm-hmm. i think they were like even all the tissi Edor would die like nothing could stop that amount of power whereas when it came to bryce fighting rulad like he he wasn't threatened himself like rulad needed to be stopped and so he was okay with that but even mm-hmm. even in spite of his betrayal and the fact that Rulad would know that he doesn't leave, you know, I, I feel like yeah, with, yeah, with how how much Rulad is, how far gone he is, and his descent into insanity, I, I would definitely take up yeah. if I was in Troll's position. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that's gonna like maybe that's the impetus there. The fact that he didn't defend him, although mm-hmm. didn't. Didn't Rulad like want to do a one-on-one battle there? I feel like he. I mean, he definitely accepted. He accepted the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, but he does have a. I don't know. Again, now that he's back under alive and under the cripple god's control, who I don't think this will come through. But I did like how Rulad understood at the end. Like he's begging for a troll to kill him, but then he realizes, like he has that moment of clarity of like, no, this is a like a better fate for me to not like to not be used anymore. Yeah, I I did think it was a little little over the top that he could basically be filleted and like all his muscles like undone, <laughs> and then Bryce is like, "Don't worry, I didn't hit any major arteries. He won't bleed out." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> that's where you draw the line, Jake. I mean, yeah, that's like, uh, gosh, what's his name in Game of Thrones? The flayed men. Um, yeah, blanking the Boltons. The Boltons. The Boltons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. There was, a, I was trying to come up with another example from books I've read. I don't know. Maybe there's an example of Song of Ice and Fire where you have two characters that you really like, but you see them from opposite perspectives for most of the book. And then they meet up and one of them kills the other one. And it's, yeah, I feel like there's an example in Song First of Ice and Fire. First Law has that a lot in the heroes. Yeah. But are they characters you really like or are they just characters you dis, you both dislike? I feel like they're characters you like through part of it like the heroes especially because you get to know like both sides of the conflict yeah that's pro- that's probably the best example okay i think we'll we're in doesn't we're in r- run into oh yeah 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 we're in of Bly is a good example yeah for we his, won't uh, say we for won't his say. role there yeah yeah we'll check out joe abercrombie we're in a Bly. i just want to ask like am i off base here trying to connect the dots from the books previous to this one that are current concurrent or in the future. So in chain, what is it? House of chains, not house of chains, a little chain bit there, dogs. The, with the book that has the chain of dogs, what's it called? Dead house gates, dead house gates, dead house gates. Uh, dead house gates. The covers are both deserty. And so I get them. I can't think of their names. 
when they enter that place that looks like flooded and there's the ship with the tisty andy oh yeah heads yeah. is that from the lethery then because they they mentioned like we could like they flood one warren with another warren of water to then traverse it and they mentioned taking tist andy as slaves and the like, lethery no i think it was the tist eater. i mean the tist eater the tist eater yeah they're the ones so that is from like that's rulad basically I, I mean it's i think it's one of the sangar brothers on the ship isn't it oh is it do they say that ah uh, if it mm. i'm talking about first you first see get, it in yeah where do they get all the Andy heads then? You first see it after it was in Deadhouse Gates. It was like you just kind of find the wreckage of it, right? And then in yeah. House of Chains, you actually see Carsa. Carsa's do there, it. yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Carsa he... chops off the heads. No, no, no. The or heads no. were already the heads, the heads were already there. chopped off. They were like in a pile. Because they were using like they were using the dark magic to Yeah. I think it was one of the Singar brothers who was maybe I don't I don't remember but, but mm. I was like I was like oh this I bet this is it because like it was so shallow and like they talk about how it's been flooded well also when we it, see dragon the first time by? yeah there was a dragon for sure in that scene as well was it one of the was it Scavendari blood eye or no it was just ruin it was a Talon Imas it was undead oh undead dragon okay i didn't know there were talon amass dragons but sure why not elaine's emas maybe perchance (laughs) (laughs) this is definitely a series that would be like so eye-opening on a reread for sure yeah yeah they're so dense that like even trying to think back a book like literally the last book i read we read from this is like where you first meet troll and i'm still like wait how did they meet troll like oh. i'm so invested in this version of him it's hard right. to remember i remember the first time reading uh dead house gates i imagined him as like an older guy elderly and like like oh you're kind of strong for an old old man and now i'm like did i did i just like miss imagine him at that time or has that much time passed he just didn't really do as much. And I feel like he was kind of like wounded or fatigued yeah. from his, yeah, from his being a, being a prisoner. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So cool. S- sorry. So I, I just had to clarify. So the Salanda is the ship they encounter in uh, yeah. the nascent. Yeah. And it was originally captained by the Tist Andy. Yeah. But then it was captured by the Tist Edder, who, um, beheaded and and sorcelled the tistandi bodies and so that's how they that's how it originally came to be i I think i was wrong about the singar um a singar brother being on it Mm. so are we are we right to assume that the tist edor that we have seen so far before this book are still being led by the crippled god like they're still a force of the crippled gods yeah I, I think they're still under like rulad's command i think rulad is still the emperor at the point of the other books okay i could be wrong though i could definitely be wrong on that i guess we'll see what happens in book seven yeah books what's book six is it dust of dreams 
the next bone one no. hunters. Uh, bone, bone hunters hunters bone hunters i was looking at the reviews for bone hunters you know like kind of getting excited for the next book and the reviews are super good everyone says like bone hunters is peak uh malazan i've heard like bone hunters midnight tides and memories of ice are like in the top maybe crippled god as well i i, I wasn't as big a fan of bone hunters i think not that i disliked it but it wasn't in my top like memories of ice and told the hounds were right right now for me not to get ahead of ourselves but midnight tides and memories of ice are my like clear favorites in the series so far yeah i really like this book that there's been when reading the other books there's been long stretches of time where i've kind of had to force myself into it a little bit but i didn't feel like that at all with this one i I was reading it every day and enjoying it all the way through. It's helpful that, again, it's a more continuous story than some of the other ones. So it's easier to like keep your engagement. Yeah. And it seems like every book has, you know, there's lots of plot lines and every book kind of has a few that weren't as interesting to me. And I was interested in almost everything going on in this one. Maybe like the dream sequences with Udinas were a little hard to follow. And what was going on with Kettle and the Azath house, like that was a little hard to follow. Whenever it's hard to follow and there's too many like lore characters that I don't know who they are, I always kind of struggle to make it through those things because it's like honestly just frustrating that I don't know what's going on. (laughs) One thing I I was telling uh, Emily about like the, because every once in a while she'll be like, oh, just tell me what you read today. And uh, it's usually like, as a bedtime story which means she needs something boring to fall asleep to Uh (laughs) um but one of the times i was telling her like about the first like the tiles of the hold and like casting them and i was like a lot of it's got to be foreshadowing but you don't understand a lot and i was just how the deck of dragons the first time they do that it's the same thing where it's like oh these things are in play i don't know what any of this means and so the first time it was like cool just because you're like i don't know what this is the second time i still didn't know what it was and i was like this is just kind of annoying because i don't know what this is but it seems uh-huh. important but then by like the third and fourth time i'm like oh i i know what that is like i know like a tenth of what they're talking about and i can make connections <laughs> here and like especially when they like with this one that's concurrent with uh other books and you're like oh they mentioned the beast hold i i know about that from memories of ice you know like i know I feel like I know what they're talking about now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just funny how that, like every time they do another uh, casting of the tiles or deck of dragons, it's like, it's either I'm really into this or I'm so lost or, I, hey, I made a connection. <laughs> so do you think, what, what do you guys think about the level of explanation that the deck of dragons has? Do you think it should be explained more or do you think the the lack of like, you know, clear rules kind of gives it uh like lends it an air of mystique i my personally i think by the information you get in memories of ice it's it's like hit a sweet spot of still a lot of mystery around it to make it intriguing but enough like understanding of it is at play that i feel like i can work with it yeah did we see the deck of dragons much in this book no, no just the tiles okay because they don't they don't have warrens here right or i mean they do but the lethery don't use warrens they use holds it's interesting how the magic is different in different parts of the world yeah that's my frustration like i felt like i was 
I, I was getting comfortable with the deck of dragons and with the Warrens. <laughs> and then we get into a new thing. It's like, oh, actually now we're into tiles and holds. And well, that, that was frustrating to me. I feel like we're well enough along with deck of dragons <laughs> and Warrens. We could just stick to those. And I would, I would be fine with that. I feel like they explained it well enough for me that it's like, okay, this is kind of like a hierarchy, right? Like the holds existed first. They are like more yeah. primordial. And then Warrens yeah, yeah. were Warrens were like created, whereas the holds just existed, it seems like from, mm-hmm. from what I understood. And so to me, I was like, okay, the holds are just like, it is essentially the same thing, just another layer of it, a, a layer further There was out. actually, there was a part where, the mage from the Crimson Guard starts yeah. with the C, something like that. Actually, like explains the Corlo. magic. To, Corlo. Okay, Corlo. Yeah, he explains the the Warrens to Saren uh, Paddock, and I yeah. was like, "What is this? Like, yeah, there's no way this is actually <laughs> happening in a Malzahn book." Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, but then he uses one that I don't remember ever hearing about the Makra, and I was like, "Do I know anyone who uses that?" Or is this just a completely new one? I don't know. I did think, speaking of like, there's no like hood for whatever reason, doesn't have a presence in that area. I didn't understand that. Like why that oh, was yeah. a thing. Was it the Azeth house that prevented it? Or was the Azeth house dying? Then it was like creating a whole or a, a warren of death there. I mean, the Azeth, the Azath, uh is, is everywhere around the world. So I don't really see how that would. I didn't know if that, I don't understand the Azeth well enough. Where I was like, maybe that house yeah. itself was planted in a way to prevent that. But they talked about death coming, like, because no one knows what hood is. And like, that was kind of fun mm-hmm. with iron, iron bars coming in and yeah. like, like hoods balls. <laughs> and uh, that's how his voice sounds in the audiobook. And everyone's like, hood, who's hood? And he's like, oh, he's the God of death. And they're like, there's no God of death. What are you talking about? Is he the Crimson Guard who just like, kills Rulot yeah. super easily he's like wow he's got some weird armor and saren's like oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> but i did think it was interesting like why how does that how does that fit with the world building that there's like no god of death there and somehow and that's why so many people when they're cursed will become undead and then by the god of death like a sh- like showing up there like the worn growing there instead i would assume that meant the undead people would just die instead kettle turned back to life way over my head no idea what <laughs> was happening there i feel like i well, knew this at she one point just turned back to life because she had the uh oh what's the name of the the other species like the first four people, curl you know, the tall yeah four curl sale did, did she just come back to life because like that she also had that soul in her maybe maybe maybe, i don't know those things are cool we've only seen them twice now they they remind me i envision like a more humanoid alien from the alien franchise they're creepy yeah i think that's about what i envision as well like all the like they have extra joints everywhere and the one that showed up uh against the edor that they they were fighting for a while that just seemed super random and had like no bearing on the plot but i guess it's still out there yeah it's still out there that's that's the second one that's been freed right that we've seen so mm-hmm. far yeah that one and the one carsa again kind of same with carsa and his buddies that was pretty random it like killed his friends but mm-hmm. or and did kill, had, yeah, it, yeah. Didn't yeah. It kill him and just like made it, 
hit yeah. him over the head or something yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's probably my main criticism with this book and maybe it's not really fair because i don't know how these plot threads are gonna play out but it seemed like there were a lot of things that were set up that i for whatever reason the text of the book kind of led me to believe that there would be more of a resolution in this book that and then there wasn't it, it's just like things that are stretching on into the future and the main example i think is what was going on with tehol and bug where they were planning they were planning the overthrow of the economy and they were doing yeah. something with the palace and then like none of that came to fruition at all and by the end they were just kind of like along for the ride i i don't know i felt a little cheated there like i wanted to see that cleverness play out and it didn't do anything it would have been cool if that that peaked at the same time as the invasion right like that that yeah yeah. maybe a little even maybe too chaotic there was already so much chaos going on there in the last couple of chapters but i i think it would have been cool if like showing how that really really like cinched the deal of letting the the edor take over because like things were in shambles Mm. you know um that and like obviously the arrogance of their army and then the crippled mm-hmm. god's power and everything but wait wasn't he trying wasn't Tehol trying to crash the economy yeah, yeah he was but then he put it on pause because of the lethery or the edor invasion mm-hmm. that was ha- the war that was going to come he's like oh let's wait because we he's he like specifically was like let's let's not do this yet until we know how it'll affect everybody with this war coming up <laughs> and i was like oh usually those books like in a book like this that would not right people wouldn't have that foresight (laughs) i mean i feel like as i read these these chapters there's a lot of stuff that happens that i'm just kind of accepting at face value and thinking like this will pay off eventually so maybe i don't enjoy it 100 percent as i'm going through it but i but i enjoy the fact that it's probably building towards something so there's kind of an implied bargain there with me in the book where it's like okay (laughs) eventually you're reading this it might be a little boring now but it's going to be cool later. And then nothing. Sometimes that happens with epic fantasy though. You're like, this part's a little boring or. Yeah. No, no. Everything is never boring and always pays off. Every series I've ever read. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think maybe you could look at it like best case scenario at the end of the book, they do talk about how like the Lethry after the conquering were kind of like the, the people of the city were kind of like cautiously going about business as normal, you know, and they talk about how mm-hmm. they're still going to be lethery. They're still going to be like focused on money and that kind of stuff. And so maybe, wait, am I misremembering? Does Tehul, does Te- he stays, right? Him and Bug stay or do they leave with uh, Shirk Halal? I don't remember. He, like he's on a boat at the end. With Shirk? I remember him being she's on a, a boat. pirate. Cause she, yeah, they, t- they, <laughs> he gets on her boat. I remember that the t- or he right. talks to her, but I don't remember if he sounds, I guess like the, the hopeful thing is maybe he'll crash the economy under the Edor, but next time, next, next to be time. continued, <laughs> man, if yeah. he doesn't crash some, some economy in book seven, I'm going to be so mad. How did you guys feel about the, the bug reveal? I thought it was cool, but I had this one spoiled for me on a reddit comment so i knew oh, dang i knew the bug was an elder god i didn't know which one yeah but yeah i thought it was cool 
I thought it was really cool. I had suspicions that he was probably like a mage or something when mm-hmm. like when he like because he knew about the uh the jag hut. Like I felt like that was a random thing, like, oh, he's gonna like right get power or maybe he already is. He was slowly it, showing you more and more knowledge that he probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. But but I didn't think anything about God until with all first praise. And then the next time you see Bug, he's like coming out of the water. And I was like, wait. I was like, no, that would be weird. But then it was really cool. I think it worked out really well. Yeah. I think I think the reveal happened in a in a cool way where it felt pretty natural in Bug's character. And I read it knowing that it was something like that was going to happen. And I felt like it was set up pretty naturally where like more and more you realize there was something going on with him. And, yeah. you know, Tehal and Bug are kind of the bizarro plot line of this book. And they were like the most entertaining plot line, the most comically entertaining plot line that I've read in Malazan. For sure. Yeah. Has there even really been much comic relief before? What's his name? I mean, there definitely has, but it hasn't been as funny to me. It's mostly just yeah. been like weird funny, but this was like actual legit humor for however you want to define humor yeah what's the what's the guy who the oh (laughs) yeah i forgot about him israel pust yeah okay that is humor but it it was just kind of bizarre not as i think it's funny i forgot about that that would that to me is just more like okay this is not weird like i'm weirded out by reading it but like this is just a weird character And I, whereas, like you said, this was actually like comedy that was written. And then I forgot about Kreppa. I thought Kreppa's funny, but it could just be from oh, yeah, listening yeah, to okay. the audiobook. Although that was with the other narrator. I wonder how good no, this Kreppa, Kreppa's got some good lines as a, I've read all these books, so I can confirm that Kreppa has some good lines. <laughs> yeah, but Jake's saying he wonders how Kreppa's going to be with the new, with the narrator. new narrator. Yeah. Mm. I I really liked him just riding around on his, on his little was he have a donkey as well i know it's girl pusk has a donkey but but i was gonna say the other like comic relief was uh the thief slash assassin guy who falls in love with sorry who what's her name now absolar absolar yeah absolar crocus Absalar. crocus yeah oh, he crocus was... is comic relief to you in gardens of the moon mm. not since then since then it's just tragedy <laughs> right yeah but in Gardens of the Moon, he's because he's like he's like fawning over that noble lady, and you think that's gonna go somewhere, but then he's just it's more like maybe not comic relief, but just like innocence, uh-huh. I guess. Which I remember when I was in. first reading Gardens of the Moon, that's one of the opening parts, and I was thinking, okay, Crocus, he's kind of like our hero here, and this yeah. like pretty this princess, like she's gonna this is gonna be a cool romance that I'm gonna yeah. get into. Yeah, no, I didn't know what I was reading. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. I feel like first time, it's only one time, but reading Gardens of the Moon for me was like every other chapter, like, oh, okay, here's the main plot. This is it. This is the main (laughs) conflict that's happening. Uh And then, nope, that was resolved or just ignored for the rest of the book. I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of love, did you you guys catch when uh, Troll left his... Or offered yeah. his sword to Saren Padak. Padak. Yeah, that was like some specific relationship that you find out about at the end of Wheel of Time level, where I was like very, 
blindsided that I'm like, I need to go back and see if there are well, clues here when that he, I missed. When she left back, you know, like at the beginning of part three, yeah, there was kind of another like moment where he like wanted to say something or like felt something, but nothing really happened. I did, yeah, I that was oblivious to that part. Yeah, I guess I'm on board for that. Yeah. And then I love the the tension where it's never like it's clear what Trill feels and what he thinks Saren feels, but it's not clear what she actually felt. Like there's uh when she when he's like, oh, she had to clarify that this was just a sword and nothing else. And it's like, okay, that's that's like a negative way to see that, but she could have been like trying to clarify, does this mean something more, you know, because she's interested and I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, she was also super traumatized at the time. So yeah, probably not ready for romance. I Well, I guess what I was, was she interested in him before the trauma? Because I thought she kind of had a thing for whole Vedic for a while. Did that I? That was a previous, that, that was a relationship that had ended. Had it, it ended? previous to the, yeah. Because then she also had a relationship with the blue horse people. That she mentioned so oh, i thought yeah. the whole yeah, yeah. i thought the right, whole right. one yep. was a little more i thought that one was current at mm. up until he left yeah i don't know i i don't know if i have an opinion on if she loves troll or not but i feel like I hope that so. whole interaction was kind of like you know you're a kid like in an elementary school and yeah. you're like <laughs> you like give a girl a ring pop you're like you want a ring pop and she's like yeah and then you run back to your friends and you're like She's my girlfriend now. <laughs> but when you give a girl a ring pop and she's like, is this a ring pop? Is, it, <laughs> is this just a ring pop? And you're like, uh, I got to go. And then you go back to your friends. You're like, I don't know. I don't. She accepted it, but I don't know if she knew what it meant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Troll Singar, what a guy. I mean, based <clears throat> off where we see him in uh, House of Chains, it seems like any romantic relationship is... I don't know. Maybe they That's progress, true. but then he gets exiled, and yeah, but he's on a quest it. to find her. I feel like every romantic relationship in Malazan is doomed. Yeah, which yeah, ones basically. have paid off? <laughs> Whiskey Jack and Corlot. Uh, the Corlot is that? It paid off right up until his death, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had a good relationship until then. That's true, but they never like. Did they ever like? fully express their feelings to each other i don't know i can't remember i, I don't remember i mean we have also, Tattersale oh. and uh what's his name that's also um, doomed Perrin. yeah 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 that was doomed <laughs> with the whole maybe or maybe and speaking of uh relationships this will be a great segue who was the Tistandi lady that was sent to with all was that the lady who said here take my ring throw it into the ocean yeah that was okay mm-hmm. i thought i was like oh this is who it's got to be but they it like never all she became was just this this like person trapped there for no reason i, I think it definitely was because it was like immediately afterwards yeah the crippled gods like here let me like grab this soul that's available and bring her over but but for what to make with all happy he didn't like, seem happy about it i mean <laughs> I think that maybe shows the crippled God's character mindset. Like he's thinking, I need my tool to be a little happier here because he's, he's real discontent and he said he wants a woman. So let me just like 
bring yeah. a woman here and then he will be happy <laughs> yeah okay that makes me feel better that i made that co- connection correctly a little disappointing that i doubted it that it seems so sure so <laughs> um, i like how when bug meets him there he's like i gotta go beat up a god but again that's undercut because that seems cool but you know bug didn't beat him up enough because he's still causing tons of havoc when we see him at the beginning of memories of ice where the painter guy comes to him mm-hmm. the guy I, that like has cancer or yeah yeah uh-huh. i imagined their meeting being like underground is that actually what it was no or i was think it he on went the to island? the tent I don't, he I don't was remember. in a tent yeah i don't remember it being on an island but i definitely i don't think it was an island i just pictured kind of like a desert mesa so i, I, I pictured know. like a tent in a cave like a tent inside a cave deep underground mm. but, but i don't know maybe that was because there were also there were some scenes around that time where they were in the um like burns warren right so maybe maybe those things were kind of bleeding over okay yeah okay i was mm. wondering if he was still in that same area or if he had packed his tent up also why didn't why didn't mape yeah. and the other what are they called the big demon monkey things the big scary monkeys uh remember. bocarala well bocarala are the small one and these are the oh. big ones anyways why they were like showing him they're trying to convince him to like knock over the tent the whole time why didn't they just do it they didn't seem like bound to him because they left maybe they weren't big enough i thought they were pretty big maybe Jake, not. don't question it. it was good it was good foreshadowing that was that was good foreshadowing. Yeah. What did you guys think of uh, Silchus Ruin? Thought he was really cool. I'm honestly excited to read from his first. Pers- like, obviously, it seems like there will be a plot line that is their quest. Him and Saren and mm-hmm. Kettle and Fear. A little disappointed he didn't just turn full god mode and like do something super epic. Like, wait, didn't he? He didn't fight at the end of this book. He fought. He does kill he- all the Toblocky gods. Toblokai? Toblokai? Is that... I think that's what they were. Yeah. But but he didn't go full-on, like, Anamander Rake veering into his dragon form and, like, just, like, demolishing everything, you know? I was hoping... I thought he would be a a big counter to the crippled god. And instead, Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, I saved Kettle and defeated... uh, Or, like, did what I promised to do and now I'm headed out. I forget. Maybe he doesn't really care about the crippled god. Wait, is he's not Father Shadow, right? He, no, he's he's uh he's Scabandari. a Andy. Yeah. yeah. So Scabandari Blood Eyes Father Shadow. Well, yeah, and, and right. he hints like he wants to find Father Shadow because Fear's like, I need to find Father Shadow, and then he's like, Oh, real. But so I thought because of Scabandari Blood Eyes betrayal and hence like the Tis Edor's betrayal of the Tistandi, I thought he would want to not to fight the Cripple God specifically, but at least like to get vengeance on the Tis Edor. I don't know that he has a vendetta against the Tist Edor, more I think just Scabandari. Just Scabandari. Even though like they betrayed. I mean I guess these people didn't, but they've been enslaving Tis Edor wraiths but seems like a pretty easy lead to andy wraiths right right seems like you could easily be an enemy of the edor as well yeah. 
I was just a little disappointed that it seems like our next uh, plot line, he's going to be just like a main character when the last person of his caliber we saw Anamander Rake, like, like you don't expect to go on a romp with Anamander Rake, you know, you expect to just see <laughs> freaking That's moon fair. spawn yeah. crash down into a city sieged. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll see, who knows? We'll, we'll see what does the trust has in store for us. He's a cool character though. Honestly, I was just very pleased that I was able to identify who he was. <laughs> yeah, I, I would get the names confused all the time because Silchas Ruin is albino, right? So he has white skin and red eyes. But then Scavendari Blood Eye is the other guy. And Blood Eye makes me think, oh, the guy with red eyes. Yeah. So that was hard to keep straight mm. in my head. Both have really cool names. All right. We have just a couple minutes left. Yeah. Is there okay. is there anything else? question uh questions for the future what the heck is happening with kettle excited to see what's happening there she has like two or three souls in her one's for fork roll a sale one is from the nameless cult whatever and then maybe the original like soul of the child body mm-hmm. and also and then, like why was she cursed in the first place still was never answered right yeah and uh udanas it seems like he's being healed at some point. Like, whether he became a character that I really enjoyed more and more as the book went on. Like he was so the complexity great. there is is pretty cool. Yeah. How did he get hurt? What's he being healed from? When the withal and the uh, shadow wraith like exploded from his body because mm-hmm. they were like hiding in his blood. Oh, okay. They like both started using him simultaneously, and he went through yeah. like a rampage through the city and ended up down at the Azoth house and can't remember exactly how badly he was hurt. They like saved Kettle and I don't remember if it was him or the Wraith or the Wivol. He was the Wraith. These Wraith. are the things that you like just how do you even think of that? I, I mean <laughs> I don't know. Man. Just, just... <laughs> Too yeah. much Dungeons and Dragons I guess. <laughs> Uh, another thing, this isn't like future unanswered, but something I didn't understand here. So the Toblakai gods, not the same gods from the from yeah, Karsa. Because the house those, of chains, right. These seem to be actual Toblakai that were their uh-huh. gods. And then House of Chains, those were Talani Mass, the Unbound. Right. But the Jek, the Jek had their god trapped in the Azath house, right? Like that's so why did they want the to pack, prevent them? Yeah. The pack why did they want to prevent the sword from being taken and then promptly like join forces with whoever took the sword and why they kept talking about they needed to stop the pack from being released because otherwise it would cause another talani mass it like incident i didn't understand how the talani mass were involved with that at all i feel like i missed that all i all i picked up on was that binaga was looking for the pack and yeah he was like oh you know all of this stuff is going on but it's the jack who will be yeah the ultimate victors right he's like okay no that didn't last very long but uh, it was what interesting mean, i guess what do you mean by the pack that was the name That's of the, the name god. of their god because because it was a, a diverse uh soul oh. taken it, it was released so- from the azos house it like went into a little temple thing for a while and then uh what's his face iron bars and the crimson guard went and killed it yeah mm. 
Iron, Iron Bars, is he supposed to be someone we know? Corlo sounds familiar, but then I don't know if I'm just thinking of Corvolo. I don't think so at all, because we haven't really seen the Crimson Guard. I just know they're related to what's going on in like northern, I think northern Genabacus with there's like a prince and uh, what's the dude with the hammer who I always Paladin want to do brood. more than he actually did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought what, like that they're I thought, all related, right? I thought uh, so there was a, a guy girl duo in House of Chains and maybe Dead House Gates where they were trying to find Felicen. And they finally find her, but they're not able to tell the sister in time. Was the guy? I th- I thought the guy was Crimson Guard, or maybe they, they were, were Crimson Guard. Else they were red. just like another mercenary company from a, from around Seven Cities. Yeah, they're they're the red. They're like the loyal soldiers, like they're loyal soldiers to the. Okay. Um, so not um, Crimson Guard because Crimson Guard are against Kellenbed. Yeah, so the Crimson Guard are with Prince. I I forget Wait. his name. Prince something. That's Pause who, or something like that. Yeah, that's who the um, Whiskey Jacks um, bridge burners. They like fought in mm. that forest or like that muddy yeah. area. Yeah. So I mean, the Crimson Guard they like pop up here and there, but they're not like a huge integral part in Malazan and Book of the Fall. And they're like in the world. And I know that there's like, I think a trilogy written around them. So are they, mm. they could be against Kellenved, but on uh, the Empress's side, because she kind of ousted Kellenved. Well, I guess it was all, it was more Kellenved had left. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I was just like, I was thinking of those other people, but they must be red something else. Just red was a color associated with them. So I got confused. Yeah. Anyways, excited right. well, for the next one. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the next one too. I feel like I'm on a little bit of a got some Malazan momentum, so I need to keep it going before it's yeah. been months and I haven't read a book again. And Ryan <laughs> is upset at me. <laughs> I think this one is. I think our like if you look at it objectively, it's as good as Memories of Ice. I think I enjoyed Memories of Ice more, but these two are like top quality books in my opinion. Really great. Nice. All right. Well, let us know uh, what we missed. I'm sure there was a lot. If you want to talk with us, you can join our Discord. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get some some uh, Malazan experts uh, telling us, uh, I don't know, hopefully you're not too 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 much of a stickler on the details because there's a lot. There's a lot. We're trying. We're uh, noobs. Yeah. Just fans. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you. Bye.